Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Good evening, everybody. Tuesday, 3rd of October, 2023. Quite a late date to be reading out, if I'm perfectly honest. Tiger Town Podcast. I'm Zach He's Toby. Welcome back for what will be our second last show of the year. Mate, we've been on hiatus, as it were, for about three or four weeks. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, mate. I think the better question is, how are you doing? Mate, you living are... large. I'm about, I'm about 20 grams lighter this week than what I was last week. Yeah, we Which were going to do a, a, a grand final preview thing, the uh, show, but you decided to um, decided to go in for surgery, so we uh, we didn't do mm. it. Yeah, found a pretty piss weak excuse, if I'm being honest. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not going to say anything. Like... No, that's all right. But yeah, pretended um, to have appendicitis so much so that I fooled the doctors into pulling the bugger out just to get out of the podcast. So um, reasonably effective, but. Um, Oh, yeah, man, nursing a couple me. of little keyholes now, but uh, all went well, which is good. Nice. Pretty run of the mill. Mm. Don't tell any school kids good. about that excuse. They might be uh, lining up at the doctor's office to get out of school. Oh, goodness, let's hope not. Let's hope not. But, um, yeah, all went pretty well. Pretty happy up here yeah. at um, up here in Brisbane, public hospital. Excellent service. Everybody's fantastic. Can't um, recommend it more. Didn't enjoy the waiting around to find out exactly when I'd be heading in, in a little bit of uh, pain. But other than that, there's worse places than you could be hanging out um, in yeah. a hospital bed. Yeah, it's always sure. uh, it's always a bit frustrating when you're, when you're waiting and you don't have essentially, well, I dare say yours is kind of life-threatening. If it bursts, it's definitely not good. But, uh, um, yeah. yeah. I, obviously, yeah, if it gets to that point, it can be quite serious. And I think something like 5% of people are in a fair bit of strife at that stage. But fortunately, it wasn't there. Um, it was a pretty average one. But anyway, we, yeah, um, it's, it's all out now. So let's hope I don't have, let's hope it doesn't grow back anyway. <laughs> Look, it's possible. It's possible. You are, uh, you are cold-hearted, so I think you're a bit of a reptile. So things do grow back. Mate, it was important off the back of last week. I was spewing when I, when I messaged you and said, look, this is what's happened. I've only just realised I can't do the pod because uh, we we did promise everybody in, uh, that we would get another one in before the end of the year, and we did say we'd see you in grand final week, and so uh, completely my yeah. fault. Obviously, apologies everybody for that, but we decided um, we try and hop on off the back of the grand final on Sunday and do a quick little review of that, and maybe just do a quick um, crystal ball off season crystal ball as we wrap up our final pod for the season proper, even though it's uh, technically done. And um, we'll have a sneaky one at the back end of, of November, December, and then we'll sail off towards the Chrissy holidays, mate. So here we are. Yeah, right? sounds good. Sounds good. At one stage, sitting there in hospital, getting bumped and bumped and bumped and not sure if when I go in for surgery. Uh, I was wondering whether I'd be home in time for the grand final on the weekend. Jeez, I'm glad I was. Yeah, me too. Oh, I'm glad I watched it. I- yeah, you know, I could have told you the score, so it doesn't really bother me if you watch it or not. But very glad that mm. uh, that I got to watch it. And um, for anyone that knows me, and I guess anyone that is an avid listener knows that um, I'm a passionate New South Wales supporter, born and bred down in uh, God's country. Um, and I can't have a Brisbane team win, just can't. So when they lost in the dying minutes, it was. Yeah, it was very, very pleasing to see. Now, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Penrith fan. Obviously, uh, they have a coach there who wouldn't be too upset if he got his face smacked in with the frying pan. But, um, you know, anything's better than Brisbane winning. So, Very graphic. Is what it is. <laughs> I could have brought up something about being hit by the glass, but then that brings up old wounds. That's that's a good. That would have been a better segue, to be honest. Uh, yes, a little bit of context there with Ivan the Terrible, but I agree. I think it gets to the point where 
sometimes I would much rather the same team keep winning than other fans get to experience joy, considering what uh, we've had to put up with for the last 25 years. <laughs> or 24. 24 seasons, yeah, mate. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yes, mate, when Nathan Cleary dove over that line, the schadenfreude that I experienced was pure elation as I felt the collective hearts of this city up here break simultaneously. Uh-huh. Uh, it was it was something to behold. And, yeah, you know, I, I walked outside and I looked up at the stars and I just thought life is good. Um, the Broncos lost another heartbreaker. So shove it up your ass, Broncos fans. Um, <laughs> Tell us how you're there is few worse front-running fan bases in the league than Brisbane Broncos fans. My golly, they are insufferable. So sucked yep. in. Yep, and the, the best thing is um, I follow that Brown Cardigan on Instagram and they had a, a story that went up that uh, some bloke is outside the Broncos League's club at 10, a, at 10 p.m. and it's pitch black, nothing's happening, and he's just laughing while he's filming. It's like this is 10 p.m. on grand final night. And no one is here. And I was like, <laughs> sucked in. Uh, look, I think um, I touch wood when we do that, and we're probably, you know, selling our own karma seeds to some to some degree. But hey, when when you're down here, it's hard to hurt us from down here. So we're going to start swinging from the bottom. I'm pretty certain we've um, we've drank our karma juice for the better part of ten years. We're we're waiting mm. for some good things to come our way. So. Mm. Broncos have Absolutely. Broncos have only witnessed a very minute portion of what we Tiger supporters have had for the better part of twenty years. So mm. sucked in. Yeah. Look, in all seriousness, um they they I don't know if it was luck, but geez, it's a hard way to lose. They um they put up they they played a hell of a game, the Broncos. They they came to play as a good game. Uh, I think they you can put that down to probably just one player, if I'm being honest. Um, Ezra Mam, like he was on fire for 15 minutes. The the thing that I want to highlight about that grand final, and I'm so happy it happened, and I think you and I were both wishing it for it to happen, was how quiet Reese Walsh was. It was so mm. good to see. Like he just needs to be mm. taken down a couple of pegs. Mm. And um, realised that, you know, you're not the end all to be all. And uh, that definitely happened. He was outplayed by a, a fullback who we all agree is a pretty damn good fullback, but he just goes about his business. Doesn't really do much. Doesn't really get involved in all the the, the, the hype or all the, you know, the fluff that comes along with it. He's not, doesn't, you wouldn't think he probably runs in the same crowds uh, outside of footy with Luai and all that. Just, you know. The Belgian boy, and um, yeah, just he just got outclassed completely, and it was so good to see. Yeah, and it's nothing, and for me at least, it, there's no ill will um, directed towards someone like Reese Walsh in no. regards to his playing ability. It oh, all comes down to attitude. He's it's, gifted. It's he entirely attitude. It's swagger. It's arrogance. It's this. This new age yeah. mentality that some of the, some of the players have. Um, it's a very US based thing. It's what the American stars have done for eons, but um, yeah, yeah. See, so yeah, it, it frustrates me. Like, you don't have anything to be arrogant about. Yes, you are an NRL player. That's a pretty big accomplishment, but you haven't achieved anything yet. Haven't achieved anything. Mm-hmm. For me, like, probably those that have been part of the the Panthers three peat, not the ones that have joined and maybe won one or two. It's the the ones that have won three can probably feel a little bit arrogant about what they've achieved and, you know, feel that they are probably a once-in-a-lifetime team. Like, you know, um, you'll talk about, everyone will talk about Parramatta in the 80s. Now we'll talk about Penrith in the 2020s. Um, And they probably have the right to do that. And the only other person in my eyes that probably has the right, and literally this is probably the only person in my eyes who probably has the right to be completely arrogant and full of himself is probably Cameron Smith and is the opposite. Because he has achieved literally everything in this game. When you see someone like yeah, Reese Walsh, back to front and three, inside out, back to front and three times over too. Exactly, yeah. and then when you see someone like Reese Walsh, who has uh, what's he in third year now, second year? I can't remember what he's in. It's in his third or second year of NRL. Yes, I think technically he's third. I think, but 
Yeah, he, yeah. he was part of a, a winning Queensland side. But mm. apart from that, he has not achieved anything. He's not achieved a single thing. You have no right to be arrogant. And that's yeah. the thing that frustrates me. Oh, look. And whether he's achieved anything or not doesn't even doesn't bother me personally. It's just more the way you go about your business, and I, I, it's just a personality thing. I think um, I appreciate humility. I appreciate hard work. You know, I'm sure he's hardworking. He's the opposite of humble. It's the same with with the Luai types as well. I, mm. You know, there's a certain raft of people in this, and it's it's probably a cultural thing in this country. And we won't get off into the weeds on that sort of stuff as well. But our sports stars have always been best received when they are humble um, and non-confrontational, all that sort of stuff, and about the community and selfless and all those sorts of things. And in my eyes, as right they should, or as well they should, some of the most beloved sports stars of all time are the quiet, humble, um, hardworking types. So uh, yep. if you don't fit that mould, you're going you're gonna to buck the trend a little bit, and, and that's always going to be the case. They can, they, can run that, um, you know, they can run that race if they want to, but... Yeah, look, I, I think that there are several in both of those two sides. And look, to be honest, one thing I was happy to move away from that discussion briefly, the one thing I was happy about with the grand final is the fact that the two best sides this year played in the grand final and it was a pretty exciting grand final. And you know you know what? The first five to ten minutes, even longer, ten to ten to fifteen or so, the intensity was out Ridiculous. of this world. Ridiculous. It was it was better than half the origins I've watched, the impact, yeah. the speed. It was, yeah, mate, it was phenomenal. It was a really, really, really high-quality grand final. I know that the game itself, uh, to use a magic quote, ebbed and flowed a little bit and there were a few little down periods. Uh, but, you know, as much as you mentioned Ezra Man before, the Broncos' defence in that first half was oh, exceptional. The goal line defence was phenomenal. It was. And, look... Penrith had close close to or near to or even greater than possibly 60% of possession for the vast majority of that first half. And mm. the only try they scored was a lucky knockback off that dropout. So they actually didn't – they didn't um, they didn't organise or create a single try in that first half with all that weight of possession. So the Broncos had to be commended on that defence. And, um, yeah, I, I think both of those sides <clears throat> are going to be right right then. There's no, no indication or there's no reason to think they won't be right there again next year. No, no, I agree. I think that um, <coughs> one of the big things that came for me from that grand final was, you know, obviously the the brilliance of Cleary came out uh, in the last 20 minutes. But for me, I thought he was missing for half the game. I thought that first yeah. half was one of the worst I'd seen of Nathan Cleary the whole year. I thought he was, and whether that was because, and, and even Nathan said that in an interview, he said that as soon as Cogger came on the field, it just felt like a weight had been lifted off him. So maybe he knew that Luo wasn't 100% and he had to take control of everything so he couldn't play his natural game. But that was something, yeah, it wasn't the Nathan Cleary we've come to understand and come to expect until that last 20 minutes. And then I cannot remember a more dominant performance in that last 20 minutes in a grand final. Cannot. I can't remember a halfback having that much influence on a game. Like, we can talk about your Joeys and your Thurstons and your Cronks, but in a single grand final, I cannot remember a halfback literally having that much influence on a game. No. So uh, no. no, I agree. And there's been instances where team where players have done it, but you think of a lot of the examples, you mentioned a couple of them, uh, they were origin level. Yeah. So, you know, you think of Wally Lewis, uh, Alan Langer when he came back, and then obviously Joey and what he did as well. Uh, a lot of that mm. was, yeah, done at origin level. So, um, yeah. yeah, mate, we, I agree. I think that he didn't play a, that way a full game, but I don't think the superstars have to. I think they just need to make their moments count. And if you look up making your moments count in the dictionary, you're gonna you're gonna see a description of the final 20 minutes of that grand final 2023 because it was it was something to behold. He's, um, well, I will, he's I will say he is lucky, in my eyes, he is lucky to have performed the way he did in that last 20 minutes because I'm going to say he was responsible for two of those Broncos tries because of his poor reads and defense. He was up and in a lot when he didn't need to be, especially when Ezra Mann made those two breaks. 
he came in, tried to rush Ezra Man when there was he had um himself, Crichton, and I think it was or oh, whoever the other winger was, I think I don't think it was Tol on Crichton's wing. Um Taruva. And they those three were all manned up and his inside man had man uh, inside man had man covered. Say that ten times fast. Um so he's lucky that he put his foot down and put his stamp on the game because you watch that those first or that probably right after half time when Broncos started to make that flurry of tries, he was directly responsible for a fair fair few very bad misses with very bad misses. So yeah, I, I remember the one where he rushed up on um, on Walsh as well and missed him, and there was also yep. the other man sliced through where. It was probably Lindsay Smith's fault inside him. Uh, he got beaten on the outside, but yeah, he didn't really turn in as best he can. He's, he's a pretty pretty good defender, Nathan Cleary. But um, he is, he is, and there's yeah, they, they're, they're mate, not mate. away from that. But yeah, yeah, yep, mate. Fantastic game of football. Um, quite a season, and I don't think anybody's surprised by by the results yeah. and by the eventual winners. Um, oh, I actually not a season ship um, after round ten, but didn't happen. So <laughs> not a not a um, not a season for us that's particularly memorable, or maybe memorable for the wrong reasons. But that's right. We're mm-hmm. we're about to talk about <clears throat> where our side, before the West we, Tigers, are going to head. Before we move on, I, I do want to say something. I have gone pretty hard on the refs this year for good reasons. There have been some shocking refereeing decisions. I actually want to commend. Adam G on that game. Hmm. That was the best officiating I've seen all year by far. I agree. He I agree. really let a lot flow. Didn't make a lot of those really blunder calls like, you know, an Ashley Klein call or anything like that. Um, yep. I personally don't think that uh, Thomas Flegler actually scored that try. I thought he was held up. But from the position that Adam G was in, it looked like he'd scored the try. So, he, and there was no, not enough evidence to overturn it. But yeah, that's I the agree. thing. I think Adam G had an absolute blinder. Now, when he refs the Tigers, if he can't, if he can just take, push his bias aside, I'd be very happy to have him every time. Yeah. Bias and only bias is the reason that we lost Adam G games during the year. No, I, yeah. I agree with you 100%. And I think the fact that we barely noticed him was... They should be rolling that out in the preseason for the refs to go. What Adam did in that final is the blueprint to how he want a referee moving forward. Yeah. Minimal, minimal um, uh, sort of in, uh, injection into the game from their behalf, letting the game flow within reason and making calls. You notice that nobody's blowing up really about the Flegler try. No, you know, and even at the time it's there wasn't like a big blow up because it was it, it was a fifty fifty that was understandable. And yeah. people understood that. You know, there was the Taruva one with um, the tackle without the ball, which was maybe one of those ones. But again, that will happen in a game. And yet here we are universally um, praising the performance despite a couple of examples that we can pull off the top of our head where the decisions weren't right, weren't necessarily right. So I think when we go back to the likes of Annesley and the fact he bemoans everybody always grilling the refs, it's not the fact that they get the odd decision wrong. It's what you just spoke about, which was them stepping back, letting the game flow, uh, and just being the facilitator for two sides playing a game of football. And he did it really well. So I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, mate, everybody's season's over now, which is which is good news. In in about uh, what I'm gonna say, twenty nine days. We've got uh, November 1 rolling around, which means that uh, free agents can start negotiating with rivals. Free agents from 2025 or the end of 2024 can start negotiating. And you tend to see a lot of the clubs start to filter back in those first couple of weeks in November. Generally, there's a a few juniors and whatnot at the start of November. And then obviously a few other people come back and whatnot. Following that, we've got the Pacific Cup, uh, the Pacific Challenge or Test Championship or whatever the hell it's called. I think it's before that. Yep, so uh, NZ, Australia, uh, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji are paying in something. Is there two parts to that? I haven't really looked into yeah, it I think that much yet. There's Cook Islands and there's PNG as well. Yeah. 
So there's two parts to what I'm assuming there then. I'm assuming so. Yep. I have no idea. Yeah. I haven't really looked into it. I'm, I will be brutally honest. <laughs> I'm not all that invested in international rugby league as I am the rest. So, and I think that's yep. probably the story for a lot of rugby league fans. You know, it's um, it's not origin. It's not the passion that you have for your team. Um, you know, it's always good to see Australia win, but I'm not upset if they lose. So, yep. Plus, it's a long season, and there's been a lot of emotional investment, and you get to the end of the season, and you are sort of due a bit of a deload, I think. Um, yeah, and a bit of uh, a bit of off season for a reason. So, anyway, uh, what we were just going to talk about in this show before we uh, have a break for a, for a, a month or so is uh, running through our squad as it currently stands and a bit of speculation around where we think there might be player movements if there are any changes to happen. And I was just going to run my eye for the benefit of the listeners over a couple of the juniors who have come up into the squad for next year, perhaps that you might be unfamiliar with and see if I can just give you a little bit of information or background around them that you may be able to uh, look out for. As um, as we go into the off season ourselves, so mate, did you want to go through that list that you've got there of our current top thirty for twenty twenty four as it stands at the moment? Uh, given we've got twenty nine, I think listed. Yep, yep. So this is according to uh, you can't probably can't see that, but according to Zero Tackle, and generally they're up to date with a lot of good stuff, so I like them. Uh, so we got Johnny Bateman, Sean Bloor, Jareem Buller, which is extended, which is amazing. Uh, De Silva looks like he's been promoted into the top 30. Uh, Dewey's on his last uh, leg, so to speak. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, you got Lado Fainu and Samuela and Sione. So the Fainu brothers. Kalidi's um, been promoted to the top 30. Uh, and then you've got uh, the likes of a Lachlan Galvin, who you might want to talk about later on who is in the top 30. Uh, Kapoa is in his last year. He's in the top 30. Then you got Clemmer and Appy. Uh, we've got Kit Lee, So we all saw him in the last game. And I think we both uh, said we, we had a bit of discussion about him and we're both very impressed. But he's on a development contract again. So he doesn't hit the top 30 until 2025. Uh, Brandon Mansfield, who you might have another chat about. Uh, Matamua is in our top 30. Uh, youngin that we are all very excited about who joins the top 30 is Jordan Miller. We got Naden. Um, we got Noffa. Uh, Ice for Nilpole. We all love him. Tristan Riley, who was a little bit of a surprise package when he came in back into the season. Uh, Caesar, who we know has signed. Uh, Jakey Simkin is in his last year on uh, in top 30. We got Jaden Sullivan, as we all know, has signed. Uh, Stafford Tyre in his last year. Tumuth, um, Junior Tupo in his last year. Twally, uh, Steph, and that's it. Everyone else has either been tapped on the shoulder or not re-signed. All right. So, yeah, 29, as I said before, we had a 30, which is not a lot of wiggle room to see a whole lot of movement there. But as we saw in the off-season last year, uh, often there is a fair bit of movement from currently signed players. We've already heard whispers of the likes of 12 possibly being moved on. Mm-hmm. And I dare say there may be a few others as well, whether or not that comes to fruition. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see to find out. But um, I'll, the first the first point of note that I'll do, as you mentioned, is I might just run through a couple of those uh, younger names, if you're happy for me to do so. Yep. And just give people uh, a little bit of background on some of those guys. Um you may or may not have heard of. So let's have a look here. So you got, I think right. everyone's heard up of till probably Lachlan Galvin is probably the first one. Yeah. So, well, I think many of us have heard of um, or seen Talon, right? So I saw Talon yep. make his debut at Hooker, young up-and-coming yep. Hooker. Excuse me, be 19 years old. Oh, goodness me, sorry. <clears throat> be 19 years old. Um, Next year, I think. We may well be 19 now, so he may even be turning 20. And <clears throat> we know he comes from uh, quite a good pedigree. He's been earmarked for quite some time, since he was about 15 or 16, as a long-term future 
hooker of the club. We've obviously got Latu as well before I get to talking about Galvin. Uh, we've spoken ad nauseum about Latu this season. Um, go back and check any of the number of episodes. We sit down and break down what he's about. Obviously came over from Manly with his brother, uh, Samuela, or will be coming over, I should say. Uh, fun fact, he's actually already been out of the um, Centre of Excellence of the Zurich Centre down there in Concord already out there training according to his Instagram. So the boys must be out there getting into it, which is good to see. Yep. <clears throat> now, I'll go down to Galvin. So Galvin, Lachlan Galvin, uh, is one of our junior product, products born and bred. He, he spent a year, I think, at Parramatta Juniors as well at one stage, but then came back to us. But he's originally, he's born and bred at West Tiger Junior. Um, now, he just finished captaining the Australian schoolboys in, in a game that he just utterly dominated. He is, <clears throat> I think he's about 6'3 or 6'4 already and a 5'8". He's a big, he's a big boy. Uh, he's 18 years of age, so he'll be 19 next year, very early. What you'll notice in this this squad, folks, um, and it's, it's a blessing and a curse. We've got a lot of young juniors that have come into the squad. Problem is you do need season first graders in and around them, so it is a very, very, very young squad. But Lachlan Galvin is one of those players who uh, he is a very, very special talent. He's the type of player, even at this level, <clears throat> excuse me, Australian schoolboys um, playing against the junior Kiwis or whatnot, regardless of who they're playing against, he he looks like he's in uh, second gear and he's going at half pace and he's still tearing people to shreds. He throws beautiful balls both ways, uh, very strong runner of the ball, but a, a wonderful reader of the game. Um, big Big body, big frame, but not enormous because he's playing in the halves. I think long term, a lot of people, got a lot of good judges seem to think second row and you would assume that being a bigger fella. But he <clears throat> he really has to fill out. He really does to deal with the rigours of it. I don't know that we will see him in first grade next year, even though he's in the top 30. I think that that was an incentive-based carrot, as a few of these were, I think, for some of these young juniors because understandably some of these guys have had offers um, from other clubs. And the most recent one, of course, was Lachlan Galvin. And so they've got him locked up <clears throat> for three a three-year contract starting next year. So he's signed till at least the end of 2026, which is good because you want him in your side. And we'll talk probably in the future, probably not tonight, about where we can fit some of these young guns in. But best believe that <clears throat> this squad already, albeit they are 18 and 19, has the makings of some absolutely prodigious junior talent, and he is right up there with some of them as well. Um, as we go down through, uh, I'm probably reading different list to you. Do you just want to go maybe, mate, to the next um, sort of maybe unfamiliar name in that list, and I'll see if we've got a bit of background on him? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, yeah, like I mentioned, Kit Lauli'i um, isn't until 2025, so we don't really have to talk about him, but he's definitely a special talent. We all saw him debut. Definitely. Um, He's on the development list, as you mentioned. And I'll just mention the other players that are on that development list briefly with him. Um, yep. So uh, we have Kit, Leila Lee. We've got Chris Agutu that I've been talking about ad nauseum for about three years. Yep. Now Wavell stayed high up here. An absolute weapon. Uh, made his Queensland Cup debut at 17. Played New South Wales Cup last year. Uh, he's built, he's ready to go. He's a 19-year-old middle forward prop. Mm-hmm. He is something else. So he's a he's on a development deal next year. I'm surprised he's not top 30 because, in my opinion, he's he's ready to. He's very raw, but physically he's ready to go. But yeah, um, yeah quite quite a good player. You've then got Solomon Sakuru. So there's a few Sakurus that are in the system. I think that there's two brothers and a cousin maybe, uh, and the father um, uh, coaches one of the sides. I think Fleg possibly. But <clears throat> Solomon is, I think, as far as I'm concerned, the pick of the bunch. Solomon Sakuru is one of those players who was too big, too strong when he was younger, but he plays and has played anywhere from prop to fullback to wing to centre to halves within the same season. He's <clears throat> he is just a very gifted player. So we haven't seen a whole lot of him. I haven't seen a tremendous amount of him. I've just more um, <clears throat> spoken to and, and read some breakdowns from a few good judges, and I've seen bits and pieces of him. But he he could be anything. He's a, a bit of a blank slate, Solomon, so he, he's good. And we've got Tony Sukar, 
<clears throat> who's a prop slash second row, think of Alex Twole Jr. Basically, uh, I think they're both both Lebanese boys. I think they're probably pretty similar looking, very much in the in the Twally mould, and uh, high percentage player. Where's Is he the one that came uh, over from Bulldogs? Uh, no, he's a junior as well. Okay. Yep, he's a junior as well, Tony Sukar. Um, so 19 years of age too. So there's our four development players for next year. Uh, and, yeah, to be honest, like th- there's no passengers. Uh, Sukar is not a game breaker, so he's much more of a consistent, simple type player. He, I don't see Tony Sukar playing 150 NRL games, but he could be a serviceable uh, bench player in the future, high percentage type player. And the sort of guy that could be a squad player for sure, still early days, but a likable player and an effort player, most most definitely. Yep. So back to your 30, mate. Sorry that I haven't touched on. Any others there? Uh, yeah, you're Brandon Mansfield. Yeah, so um, Brandon Mansfield or Mansfield-Webster, as he used to be referred to, I think, has been in the system for a couple of years. I, I don't know where Brandon came from originally, whether he's a junior or not. I suspect that he's not. Um, I think he's a Kiwi. From from memory, I have to look up his um, his his bio on the on the website. But yeah. second row primarily strong, <clears throat> excuse me, strong runner of the football. I don't know what's really happening with his development because he's been earmarked for a little bit. He was actually in the top thirty this year too. He was promoted by Sheens and then didn't wasn't even mentioned. So he's an interesting one. Uh, he's just one to keep an eye on, I think. And hopefully, he's just another second row that we're looking at developing slowly. He is a powerful <laughs> runner of the football. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know what the club sees in direction with him. So he could possibly be one if they have decided since they promoted him that they may not see a future for him. He may be one that they might maybe try and move on, possibly. Okay. Um, well, we know who Justin Matamu is. Yes, he's, he's young. Yeah, and, but... and a big shout-out to Matt, to Justin and Steph as well, who recently just yeah. got selected in the Samoa side. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, for that. For that Pacific Championship, so that's bloody unreal. So well done to those two boys, international caps. That uh, how good's that? Um, and Justin's only played a handful of first NRL first grade games, so yeah, really special. So that's great news for them too. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Jordan Miller, we all, you and I both know Jordan Miller. Both very excited. Yeah, we're all over Jordan Miller. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Jordan Miller, I guess in terms of size, because he's eighteen, nineteen. Um, so, again, he's in that same group, that SG Ball winning um, – oh, SG Ball, Harold Matz. I get confused, SG Ball. Uh, it's been a long season. That winning side that had the likes of Tal in it um, and all these other players that were, that were spoken about, these West boys that have come through. So, Jordan was uh, prop of the year in that competition uh, and possibly player of the game in the grand final. I can't recall exactly. He's had a few injuries, I think, in the year gone by, so I think his development is a little bit back. In terms of players or size, I haven't watched a tremendous amount of him, but he's basically the size of a Nelson, a Sofa Solomona, compared to his contemporaries. So he would look on the field the way that Nelson looks on the field of an NRL field. So he's just a, he's a, just a giant boy, uh, but by all reports has a really good work rate. But he's young, man. Like, he's young. So... He's a young prop. Physically, yeah. he's got a good two, three years to harden up and, um, you know, drop a bit of puppy fat, put on a, a bit of decent size and, and and really start to build his motor, his game motor. So yeah. he will be a slow burn, I think, Jordan, which is, a, is for me then it's a strange uh, promotion to the the top 30 on in that regard. But I, I guess you never know. You know, props are seem to be – or props te- seem to be developing a little bit earlier these days and perhaps they once – did they would talk about props not fully hitting their straps till 27, 28. But these days you see, you know, 19, 20 year olds braining him physically. So um, yeah. who's to know, but yeah, he's, he's a wonderful prop prospect and yeah, quite a player who the dolphins offered a top 30 spot for this year when they were looking to sign him last year and he turned him down to stay with the Tigers. So it's good news. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, you think about how long Clem has got with us, you know, he's got this year, next year, uh, next year, 2025, and then a mutual option uh, for 2026. So mm. if he is that slow burn, maybe you look at it, it'll be Stefan Miller um, in about three mm. years' time. So, 
Yeah, look, mate, you got you got Steph, you got Miller, you got Pole, easy to forget, you got Fagutu, you got Kit Lealaliti. And this is these are just they're five that are already in the system and signed long term. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of of talent coming through. It's just they're just two or three years early. <laughs> so yeah, they're in that spot. Yeah. And then I think everyone else we've basically heard of, I think maybe Brain. Brandon Tumuth, uh he's probably another one, but he's had a couple of games already. So that's just the one. Much. He's just had the one, has he? Just the one from Brandon. Yeah, as far as far as I can remember, I think he's just had the one appearance. And I think was it round one, possibly, or round two? It was really early in the season. I can't remember for the life of me. I think I've forgotten this yeah. season. Selective memory. Yeah. yeah, so as I said a, a few times, that top thirty is very young and, and it's yeah. <clears throat> It's hard to carry a lot of 18 and 19-year-olds in a first-grade squad because we can see really quickly that you need, if not more, um, you need a good 27, 28 of those players at some point during the season, generally speaking. Yeah. Now, fortunately for us, the rules have changed for next season, which I think is actually brilliant, which is train and trialists can play from round one. Oh, really? <clears throat> I did not know that. Yeah, which is which is phenomenal. Um, it's It's... I think it's a brilliant system because it, it opens up your squad, essentially. Your development players, can they play from round one too? I, I should, um, I'll, in a moment, I'll pull up the actual changes for next year's salary cap in which this is all connected. Maybe you can do it while I'm having a little bit of a um, little bit of a riff here. But what that does is it opens up possibilities for us to possibly have cup players who have uh, the ability to be role fillers or have played a bit of first grade to actually carry the experience in cup and call on them as needed. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Goodness me. And uh, sorry, I tried to mute that. I didn't catch it in time. And then allow the kids to be in the top 30 so they have the potential if they are shown to play. However, if we don't quite think they're ready, we're not exactly uh clamouring to find experienced players to play because we can play those train and trialists. So uh, that, I think, is a beneficial one as well. I think there's a, there is a change with the development too. Have you had any luck there looking for those rules, mate? I am looking for them. Just you keep fluffing and do what you do best. Fluffing. All right. Fluffing down, do what I do best. I've got a Rubik's Cube here. I might try to solve a Rubik's Cube for you. No. Um, yeah. As you are looking for those, what I want to segue into briefly was just maybe just talking about, which we have quite a bit, but uh, a couple of key areas where there are clear holes in our squad and uh, I guess who we can get to fill them or where we will fill them from and any other changes that we think either glaringly wise or just things that we... uh, preferences we may have about what we might do with that squad into the off season. Uh, so how are you going there? Any luck? I can't find anything. That's all right, mate. All good. I'll have a little look in a sec. Can I throw it to you? Cause I've had a bit of a chat for a little bit and um, I've got it. Well, yeah. I, I, was, I, I was keen to sort of go through the squad now again to sort of yep. recap because we, we know we're talking about, you know, that we had 29 spots filled up and probably need a few spots cleared because, um, you know, we're lacking in depth in a lot of places. I mean, um, we're, we probably were lacking a fair bit in our centre department, but I think there's a good chance we have that settled now. Uh, maybe one more would be good, decent. Like a really gun centre would be amazing, but none are on the market. Uh, but I still think that we should we, we need to cut a few that are already on the books um, and try to look to offload them. And the only ones that I can see being taken off our off our hands is probably probably Kapoa. Look, I wouldn't say no if he stuck around, but I wouldn't be upset if he left and found a better deal because he's only signed until next year in the next year, so he has the options to go somewhere else and get a longer deal, and best of luck to him. Um, like you said, Brandon Mansfield is in the top 30, so hopefully, like like you said, is it a wasted spot? Uh, do we know what his development's doing? Haven't seen much of him at all. 
Um, that could potentially be somebody that's moved on. Um, here's one that's probably a little bit of a, a little bit of a, um, what's the word, controversial one, but I probably off of his performances this year wouldn't be upset if Naden moved on. Uh, I don't Naden. I don't think Naden yep. showed anywhere near enough that I was hoping for. Maybe it was just, yeah, injuries and whatnot, and maybe he'll re, re, uh, regain his quality that he had at the back end of last year and the start of this year. But, yeah, we all know that we really want to kick Noffa to the curb, so let's hope that somebody wants to take him. Um, and then, you know, obviously the likes of, look, I want to keep Simkin. I think Simkin um, and De Silva is our future when Appy moves on. Um, but I could see him looking for a longer deal somewhere else, especially with the with the lack of quality hookers out there and the fact that we know that this, uh, TDS is uh, the future. Um, one that I really want to re-sign that is on this list from last year is Charlie Staines. We all know that. Everyone that's listened to me knows I've spoken about this at nauseam. Uh, he... that's, a, that's a pair of us, mate. You're not alone there. Definitely yep. value your player. Um, I know you love him, but I haven't seen anywhere near enough to warrant Tumuth being there. So if he gets signed somewhere else for a longer-term deal, I wouldn't say no either. But they're kind Look, of the ones that I'm Tumuth. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're the ones that I would kind of wouldn't be upset if they moved on. I think that I want to re-sign Bloor. I think Bloor's in the squad next year, but he's free to talk uh, in November. But I think he is somebody that, whether he's in the starting side or off the bench, he just adds something when he comes on the field. So I would like to re-sign him. But we are losing... We are, yeah, we do have $1.1 million in salary cap space because Brooks has left. So we are definitely not short on cash. No, well, that's definitely true. And we didn't land the big fish that we've been uh, floating a bit of coin around at lately either. Yeah. Yeah, I I think a lot of those names that you mentioned are, you know, the ones that we'd probably be looking at. I guess you've you've got to think in these types of situations or the Tigers, I should say, have to think about not necessarily who do we want to keep or who do we want to lose. It's more of a case of going, um, where are the holes in the squad and who are – yeah, what what do we need to fill and then who is surplus to requirements? Surplus to requirements does not mean you don't want to keep somebody, but it means that simply you might be overstacked with – uh, uncapped second rowers under the age of 22. You might have four of them. You don't need four of them. So you, you try to, if you can, move on the, the bottom couple, hoping that you won't need to call on your deepest second rower stock reserves, I guess, over the course of the year, simply yeah. because you need to strengthen another area. If you're a well-balanced squad, you can carry these extra, what, five to seven players that might not even get a run because you're not really short in an area per no. se. So, you know, we make no secret of the fact that I think longer term, we've still got to nail down a decent quality half. But I think in the meantime, for next year, we've solved the short term, which is which is good. We've bought ourselves some time. Um, possibly, possibly a second if Caesar sticks around, he's going well. That buys us two years, hopefully, um, of having our half stock covered. It might not be the halves that we might, it might not be a premiership winning combination, but at least we have something there we can work with. So yeah. then it's centres and it's centres and wingers, surely. You know, it's outside backs well, at this point, correct? Well, yeah, well, looking at this, if we don't sign, if we don't re-sign Staines, we really don't have a backup fullback if Buller goes down. Yep. Yep. So, you know, <laughs> you could put Tola there, but we know that's his worst position. Hmm. Um, Noffa is beyond a joke these days, so I definitely wouldn't have him there. And I've never seen Tupo play at fullback, so the only yeah. person we really have is is Staines. So, yeah, and I think for that reason and that reason alone, um, well, forget for that reason alone, but for that reason, it's, uh, it's pretty fundamental that they get that deal done to some degree. The, the problem still remains, I think, with that is just simply the cost. And he's coming off pseudo fullback money when he was on that first deal at Penrith. And 
I think that we subsidised that a little bit, but we got good value out of him this year. I think the value has gone, and I think they're just at loggerheads. I just I don't see another club paying five hundred grand for Charlie Staines at the moment. Not at all. No, unless it's the board to buy everyone at the moment. Yeah, so I think the discussion then is no one also is looking for Charlie Staines to be their fullback, and he knows that with Jareen coming through that he's probably not going to get the spot here anymore either. So yeah. he can take a decent contract here, but he's going to know that he's going to have to settle to play wing. And that's probably, I guess, an adjustment for him too. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see him come in most definitely. It, it's centres and wingers we need to look at. I agree with you. I, look, if you can move on Nofaluma, um, I still have faith in Nate, and if he can get himself right, I think he's just had one of those years this year. Sort that shoulder out, and he he's serviceable. Teach him to play one position, and I think we would benefit from it. Be it wing or centre, I think he's a better centre. Um, and I certainly think he can do a job. I like what Stafford's doing. I think his development's going forward. I know that he had a quiet end to the year, and then he got injured, but he showed enough for me this year. Oh, by far, not only in attack, but particularly people forget how bad he was defensively the year prior. Yeah, in twenty twenty two, he was awful, and that's what I said. He's defensive for the year. I said the yeah. thing that was the big, the most pleasing thing about Toll was how much he'd worked on his defense. You could, yeah, you could definitely see that he's done, he's done a lot of work to improve that. Yeah, and he's not the finished article, but he's also twenty-two. People forget he's twenty-two. Mm. So similar trajectory. He's a player that is clearly coachable, clearly has the capacity to improve. I would expect it to then improve again next year, or hopefully. Um, and so he he takes a centre spot. I'm happy with that. I can yeah. see us making making the fi- the semi finals with Stafford Toe in the centres. I don't have a drama with that. I don't see him as being an issue that he's holding us back in that regard. I guess you could say. No. Um, the other the other one would be then Junior Tupo, who Junior Tupo is is seen from. Sorry, sorry, I was getting distracted by my dog. Um, he's seen by all reports as being a long term. Um, player in our back line, I think centres. He, he came up playing centres as much as he's played a lot of wing for us. Mm. Uh, he's played a limited, what, he played one game at centre and did a, did a cracker of a job, maybe two. Yeah. Out of necessity, but he fills one of those spots and I'm satisfied with that. But we need another centre and we need a winger. I can't, we can't have Nofaluma there anymore. So no. I'm sort of talk, I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I was talking about what we need, but also who we want to get rid of. The names you mentioned, I, I think, are, are bang on. Um, yeah, if we lose, if we, the thing about if we look at someone like Twole, clearly with Offerhand Gowing and Twole, Fulton has looked at our bench and said you cannot have two bench forwards or two bench props, both on over five hundred k. In Joe's case, about six hundred, uh, sitting on the bench. You've you've oversold on your bench and your prop rotation. You're not getting tremendous value for money. It's not a Nelson on the bench. No. You know, it's not a Spencer Lenu on the bench. Um, which, you know, you be you could debate whether or not his impact is even worthy of that. But so I think that's where that comes from. But the problem with getting rid of somebody like Twile is if you lose Clemmer and or if you lose a couple of props, your your frontline props, then you're down to Pole and Twile. And if you've gotten rid of Pole in the off season, You've got Polly, who's a he'll be a third year prop at the age of twenty one, and who? And all of a sudden, you're in trouble. No, no, I agree. So they've got to be quite careful in that regard, I think. Um, yeah. So look, I'd be, I'd be looking to get rid of an offer if I can. Um, yeah, AJ Capella possibly. I, I think that you know, I think he's a good, I think he's a good little player, but I just, I don't know how much he wants it. And I don't know where he fits at the moment. He's a good bit part player, but we don't need bit part players. We need specialists right now. I still think Felidi is is not quite there. Uh, no. I didn't mind what Riley was doing. Um, so yeah, Adam Dewey's another one. You know, is there some way you can come to an arrangement to retire him and pay him out, and then try a train and trial the following year or something? You know, clubs do stuff like that all the time. That's got to be an option. To your point, the likes of Tumuth and Mansfield, you know, I was talking about before, excess young second rowers. I think those two, unfortunately, fall into that. And I think they're going to be surpassed by the time that their time comes. 
Yeah. I think they're both around 21, 22. And I think the 18, 19-year-olds knocking on the door will blow straight past them, unfortunately, for them. So if that's the case, see if you can move them on. I know that there's not going to be people clamouring for those types of players, but it may be a conversation to go, hey, guys, um, more than welcome to stay. Obviously, we'd love to have you around, but I don't know how much first grade you're going to see in the next few years. We've got a f- we're looking at a few other directions. Um, I'd love to have you, but if you've got other op- opportunities, if you you got a chance of playing first grade somewhere else, that might be your best best discussion to have. Those sorts of things, because I I think we need to open up about two or three more spots. In my yeah. eyes, ideally, we'd go in the start of next year, or at least over the summer twenty six twenty seven hopefully get the deal done with Staines and possibly even Safarth if we need. Uh, and then that gives us a chance to be able to have two or three signings that we could possibly load up on. We know how teams have fire sales. We know how things can happen like that. And, yeah, we sort of just have to wait and see in that regard, I guess. Yep. No, I agree. Hmm. It's a mighty bare old market at the moment, mate. And, Not, much me, out, that... Not much out there. I think that's part of our problem. And to be to be perfectly honest, you know who they'd be getting the boot, I think, if uh, things didn't change or things didn't go the way that they did a few months back would be uh, Sione Faino. Yeah, probably. So if he's been around others. for – yeah, he's, he's been in the club for a couple of years now and played um, just New South Wales Cup at best. Not a bad little player from what we've seen, but uh, with the, with the up-and-coming brothers there, I think it's going to be hard to give him the boot as well. So that's a tricky conversation for them to have. Yeah. Hmm. Mate, anything else you want to add as we sort of, I guess, you know, throw a leg over the saddle and ride off into the sunset for, for a month or two into no. the off-season? I, I actually said to you before we started, I'm like, I don't know how much we'll have to talk about, you know, probably half an hour pot at most, and we're going for over 50 minutes. We can just talk about the Tigers nonstop, can't we? So, no, I think... Well, uh, we did... He wasted 20 minutes on Penrith and Brisbane, which I do regret. But yeah, other than that, yeah, yeah we, that we got through filler. it. That was the filler. Um, mm. No, the, the, I guess the only thing I really wanted to mention was, um, you know, obviously we've got our coaching staff sorted for next year with Farah and Morris, the assistants, but there is talk of one more assistant coming to to the team with a bit more experience. It'll be interesting to see who that is. Um, you know, obviously... Johnny Morris has got maybe two years of first grade coaching under his belt, a lot of um, assistant coaching under his belt. But it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I was really hoping to get Jason Taylor back, especially with Farrah in the team. But he's obviously mm-hmm. on the Bulldogs, so very disappointed about that. Uh, maybe we'll try... wrong, but they've, they've promoted Heinington. Have they? Yeah. So that was a few weeks back. It... I think it was a, a pretty low um, low news story, so you might have missed that one. But, yeah, I'm relatively certain that Chris Wellington's going to be on the side in the coaching setup. So, uh, look, Maybe he'll be the defensive coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, look, it is, what, it is what it is in that regard. I think, I, I think that they are really missing another decent coach to sit in that, that coaching box. But in yeah. terms of Benji himself... Um, I actually think he's going to surprise a few people. If oh, given a long enough rope, I think he's actually going to do a really good job, but it's going to take time. I think he's got the right temperament. I think he's he's the right type of person. I think we've got him in early, no doubt, obviously. Uh, but I think if we ride it out with him, that he can turn the club around longer term. I think he's got no, the right I, vision. Yeah, I really believe that he's, he's definitely going to um... – like you said, surprise people, but I think he's also going to probably surprise himself to a degree. I think he's going to do a lot better than he expects himself to do. And like you said, his temperament is ideal for a coach. He's a very yeah. calm person, very laid back. I remember reading his book years and years and years ago. And the night before the 05 grand final, he went to Macca's and got some cheeseburgers and fell asleep straight away at 9 p.m. where I think Farah, Hoyington, and someone else was over at his place. They 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 They're all yeah, I think no, it was the Yeah, Rob, Robbie's they, house eating Macca's. Mm. Yeah, they didn't get to sleep till 3 a.m. in the morning. They said he was sound asleep snoring by 9 p.m. It's like nothing worried him. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing to remember too is that he's he's 38. So he, he is, is far closer to this next raft of players and their mentality and modern cultural 
um, implications for all those sorts of things and, and how best to interact with them. One of his best mentors of all time is Wayne Bennett, even though he spent longer under Sheens. And, you know, that that's a secret of, of Bennett's is that he was different in that type of coach. He was the ultimate man manager. Yeah. And I think that as much as Benji has not done a formal apprenticeship beyond 12 measly months, I think that that bloke has a hell of a lot more in his back, in his coaching backpack that he will start to unpack over the next, hopefully, five, ten years. Uh, and I think we are going to see it. I think it'll be. I think it will be a slow process. I think it'll make a lot of mistakes. I just. I just hope that this time they they stick with it because I can see. Long term, he he being the type of person that could really learn from his mistakes and just grow himself oh, as he, he did, did as a player. player. He did it as a player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is funny that you say that. You know, Wayne Bennett was the ultimate man manager. Or is the ultimate man manager. You've played football. I played football. And like so, most of the time, you do love the team you played for. But if you have that coach who's just somebody that you have so much respect for, you always play that little bit harder. You always played more for the coach than you do for the team. You do. Um, and well, yeah, you, no, you, and your team as well. But this is this is the unspoken thing no one ever says. A good coach, particularly male sport, is like a pseudo father father figure. Yeah. The best the best ones are like and and every bloke wants to impress their dad for the most part. Or a good <laughs> a good one. So, yeah. so the best I, I think I, I agree. I think that's why Wayne Bennett has had his success. Yeah. Is because a lot of he's been able to establish this pseudo father figure like rapport with many of his players and they want to run through brick walls for him. And well, he gets the best out of people for that reason. Perfect example. Who was the probably the most improved player across all the league? you'd have to say Jermaine Osaka. As soon as he went mm. back under Wayne Bennett, he just like, just came out mm. of his skin. Top point scorer, top goal scorer, top try scorer, everything. He just yeah. was one of the most improved across the league. So, Yeah, so I think that's something that Benji will have and will be able to take on and use to his advantage. And look, time will tell. Yeah. Like 2023, horrible season. Great yes. season for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for listening. I thoroughly, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I know you have. I speak for yeah. both of us when I say to everybody on the other end of the speakers, thanks so much. We we said it a few weeks ago. We're going to say it again now. Um, if we still had zero listeners, would we still be doing it? Probably. probably. Maybe in Perth. Probably, probably wouldn't be broadcasting it. But, you know, the interaction we get, the messages we get, the comments, the shares, all of it is just fucking awesome. So thanks, guys. Honestly, it, it, it's bloody, bloody telling you something. I don't swear very often. Um, but the fact that, you know, us sitting here giving a perspective or multiple perspectives on the way we see the sport of rugby league and our great footy side, um, and the fact that people listen, they enjoy listening to what we do, uh, it, we love it. And it, it brings us back every single week. And uh, as you've seen over the course of the year, we've, we've Left no stone unturned to try to bring a bit better production value. You know, we've improved microphones and, and cameras and speakers and programs and everything just to make this this show a little bit um a little bit more enjoyable and palatable to listen to. And um, that's thanks to all you guys and, and everything that you you do and your feedback. So thanks, guys. Oh, genuinely, uh, we're going to bloody well be back one more by the end of the year for the end of the year. But um, next year, mate, can't wait. Um, as we always do, we're gonna we're gonna go into the season with blind hope, and you wait till you hear us, folks, in the new year. We're gonna be bubbling with enthusiasm. Hey oh, guys, you just see the photos of Latu? He's shredding in the trials. No, so you know, you just wait. It's the the yeah. Tigers' formula, mate, isn't it? Oh, every year, every year we come in with hope. Every year we think it's going to be different. Eventually, it has it to be. Eventually, it has it to be. We just won two spoons in a row. We're both smiling. Season's over. I've got a scarf on. I think that's half the reason we are smiling is because the season's over. But, yeah, I get you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you might be right. All right, folks, uh, PSAs as always, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify is where you'll find us. The other two podcasts, they do things as well as us. I've changed that. you notice that. But get around them, the West Tigers podcast and West Life podcast. We both listen to them twice every single week. Uh, those boys do great stuff. So if you haven't haven't gone over to them, make sure you do. Uh, other than that, my friend, anything else you want to add? No, nah, not nah, all good. Another successful podcast year. Wouldn't say a successful yep. team, but 
we like you said, we were happy. We were happy to do it. And if anything, it was a nice way to vent. So, yeah, absolutely. That's where that's how it started. Exactly. Very good. All right, mate. Uh, for the last time for this season, because next time we talk to you all, this will be in the preseason of 2024. Go the mighty West Tigers. Go the Tigers. <laughs>